Bang bang, what is up, you guys? Uh, it's me on Wednesday. You know, you're, you usually hear me on Mondays, but uh, I recently recorded. I've been recording some uh, episodes for the Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash pwtcast uh, for Scrum Assembly Video. You know, the, the movie re- reviews that I do over there with uh, various different guests from from all friends of the show. And uh, I recently recorded this one with friend of the show Dickie Bird, and it was going to go up uh, as you know behind the paywall later on in the month but uh dickie and i just we talked for a very long time and it was just a really fun episode i i, I love talking to dickie um you know definitely gonna have him back on soon but uh you know I, I thought this was just so good that i'm not gonna put it behind a paywall you know this is the full episode uh uncut just everything out there so uh and we get a little deep you know, again, it, it might be a bit different than, than what you're used to hearing if if you already aren't a member of the Patreon. But uh, yeah, man, you know, hopefully, you know, a, a lot of the episodes that we do over there tend to, to flow along, you know, more this way and not as deep, you know, not a, not a full hour of us talking about, you know, our trauma and such. But, uh, you know, more fun episodes where we get in and, and talk about, you know, the, the movie or TV show that we're talking about. So um, hopefully you enjoy and hopefully, you know, uh, some of you guys who aren't already signed up will go ahead and uh, sign up. You know, we're currently at 19 uh, subscribers. I think it'd be cool to get to 20. But uh, hey, without any further ado, let's uh, go ahead and listen to this week's bonus episode, uh, which maybe it'll be a monthly thing. If you guys, you know, give me some good feedback on this, maybe I'll drop a free one every now and then. Who knows? But uh, let's go ahead and get into Inception with none other than Dickie Bird. Bang bang! What is up, you guys? Welcome to this week's episode of Scrump Family Video. I'm of course Scrump, and this is this is an episode that I'm really fucking excited to talk about. One, one of my favorite movies of all time, and of course, from the title, I'm talking about 2010's Inception. Of course, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Elliot Page, Ken Watanabe, Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy, and and so many more. Uh, one of my favorite uh, Christopher Nolan movies, and I'm sure we'll talk about Christopher Nolan movies, but again, not just because of that, but uh, I'm being joined by one of my favorite people. This is, you know, one of the one of the aces over at Post Wrestling. He does so much for the community. He is, you know, unfortunately someone who wasn't there. Uh, listen, I contemplated, uh, you know, leaving work in the middle of the week and flying to New York just to possibly, you know, hang out with the man for uh, for a bit. When, when he possibly was going to be stranded in the States, I was like, well, you better, you know, get a one-way ticket to Chicago and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll bunk up here. I'm, you know, I'm sure the missus won't mind. Uh, but of course, you know, I, like I mentioned, he, he does a lot for post wrestling. Uh, you know, some of the some people know him as uh, Richard. Of course, all of us know him as Dicky Bird. Dicky Bird, my man, how are you doing? Hello, Scrump. It's good to finally talk to you. Uh, you know, we've we've sort of had a bit of a. Uh, a bromance for a while and and haven't really ever had a had a chat and yeah and like you said um you know didn't manage to to quite meet up when i was when i was over there but that sort of was uh some people yeah unfortunately missed out but uh you know i had to choose between you and brandon from new jersey and uh you know he's uh He's an icon. I I, I didn't I didn't know if he even existed really, so I had to see for my own two eyes. I listen. I don't blame you. That's the one thing. You know, there's uh, Brandon from New Jersey. He is you know he is one of and I don't know if I'm you know uh, you know breaking kayfabe here. He's one of like the sweetest 
people I've ever met. Literally, when I saw him in New well, I saw him walk in, you know, when we were at a QTX nightclub uh, in New Jersey. And uh, afterwards, we were all in the green room, and I saw him. I literally walked up from behind, gave him the biggest hug, gave him a giant kiss on his forehead, and was just so happy to see him because he's awesome. You know, like it's 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 one of those you know people think he's all just giggles and uh you know random questions to john and way no he's he's a much deeper man than that i mean i would say that that's one of the the biggest secrets in our uh in our in our industry i, I don't know why i call it our industry but uh, <laughs> these people these 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 online personalities who maybe are a bit a bit cutting in some areas uh, tend to be the nicest people. Um, WH Park, I think, is is one that people don't realize that uh, very sweet individual, uh, very nice man. Uh, Benno, probably, you know, as well is uh, you know behind the scenes, uh, not not quite what he's like on Twitter, sort of thing. You know, much much nicer of an individual. What are you so. talking about? All he talked about was how William Regal had never had a a good match for the entire time we were you know, together, and I was like, all right, you you made your point. Stop, please. I mean, where's the lie? <laughs> yeah, no, that is, you know, like I mentioned, like even most recently on, uh, uh, it was like my episode of Postmarks where I was talking to, to, to Bruce um, and David. I, I was like, honestly, you know, I was like, the, like full gear was cool. I was like, but the real full gear experience was uh, watching it with WH because, you know, I I was lucky enough, like you, I was on the receiving end of how nice he was. You know, I, 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 what's now been called like my make-a-wish weekend because he took me on the kevin smith tour of new jersey a rich fan of course as well it's he he took both of us as he had the car but yeah no you know that is like you mentioned i you are someone that you know i i genuinely do appreciate because uh you know uh wasn't the most fun summer is the way i'll put it you know and you were one of the people i actually i i i recorded with mike murray uh yesterday and at some point it'll come out some point timeline wise it'll all you know but i i do give you a, a big shout out because it was or it might have been off mic regardless i you know you were one of the people that i was like yeah no i was like dicky bird fucking you know one of these people that reached out and i i did i do genuinely appreciate that because much like uh uh you know much like Cobb in this movie when certain things just sort of manifest themselves as trains and you know try to run you over in your dreams it was it was not a fun time but you were you know you were you were very nice and, and reached out to me so for for that sir i will always be grateful i mean look we'll and we'll talk about it in terms of this this film because there there is a lot of parallels not just with your summer um but even you know my my past and 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 things that have happened that weren't too dissimilar to your summer and you know i think that was just one of the key things is that you know reaching out i think is 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 important and it's hard sometimes to say to like want to say things like oh it'll be okay or i've been there or all this cuz you know what that person is going through and they don't want to hear that shit so it was just you know I hope to have a meal with you one day, and then I went over to North America, and I didn't. I didn't even bother. But um, you know, <laughs> but no, you 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 definitely should just uh, come to Australia. You know, 
Uh, I uh, I have a, a spare room. It's, it's currently got a, a, a cot in it, a, a baby bed, but, uh, you know, who knows, in uh, many many years' time, you know, you see, you gotta, be a you normal gotta, person's bedroom. You got to be careful with that. The last time a handsome boy, a handsome man with a, you know, with a funny accent uh, said that to me, I impromptly drove up to Canada and spent the, you know, spent the weekend with Davey and Braden uh, and had to explain to, like, everyone where they're just like, you just drove up to Toronto and hung out with these strangers you met on the internet. I'm like, yeah, but one's Canadian and the other one's British, so... You know, Canadians and British people have never done anything bad. Like they're they're great. I I, I mean, that's that's basically what I did, except it wasn't a drive. It was a, you know, a, a plane trek across halfway across the the world to to specifically to to meet people who I started to 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 know in the year twenty twenty one. And it's not just Braden and Davey. It, it's it's people that you know. I don't think realize who I'm actually really really close friends with, like Eric Marcotte, um, uh, Phil Chertok as well. Uh, you know that that's the Canada contingent, but but obviously we we mentioned Brandon from New Jersey and uh, a good friend of mine, Chris Leone, who um, is sort of in and around the the, the post universe um, and. You know, I, I became very good friends with them in 2021, and and you know, it's it. I, I kind of felt like it wasn't real, so I was like, well, how about I just fly over and like hang out with these people, you know, in in real life? And so, you know, I had a a, a list of people who I wanted to to make sure that I met. Um, I met a couple of extra people along the way as well, uh, which I didn't expect to. WH Park being being one of them, and that was you know a joy. And unfortunately, I missed some people like yourself and and Jordan Goodman and and Andrew Thompson, who I, I would have liked to have uh, met. But you know you, you can't I, you know I I can't you can't fit everything in, so you just got to do it. But but yeah, it was it was. It was my my other half was just being like, "You're going, sorry, you're flying over to the US to do what now?" Um, and but I had some other bucket list items. You know, I'm a Atlanta Braves fan since I was a kid growing up in the United States, uh, but I'd never been to uh, one of their baseball games. Um, so I flew to Atlanta and and and. Uh, you know, went went and got some really nice seats and actually watched a game and it was it was awesome and 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 of course seeing a stadium wrestling show, uh, which was the other thing that I wanted to do because it's it's something that is relatively difficult here. Um, you know, I think the Super Showdown, not the Saudi show, but the Australian show was the the last one to be here in in, in Australia and they'll they'll probably come back. But I guess I didn't really want it to be a WWE show, so. Um, you know, Grand Slam was kind of a good time, so I went over there and did that, and then, and then obviously went up to Canada for a couple of weeks, um, and yeah, just rent, rented an Airbnb kind of close to Braden and Davies' place, and had my birthday up there as as well, and 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 also, and I really wanted to hang out with um, you know John Cena and, and Fire Frank in in New York as as well. So, lots of just quick bucket list stuff. Still more things on the bucket list, but I'm now saying, look. 
I can't go back to North America. The food almost killed me. I'm not kidding. The great Okan went to went to Las Vegas. He he posted this burger that he ate at uh, the Heart Attack Grill, and I was like. I'm going to do it. Let's go. And that actually almost killed me. I t- I've told the story. My blood pressure went up and it didn't come down for a couple of weeks after I returned. So I can't go back. But I am saying now to those people, come to Australia. It's beautiful, especially in uh, your wintertime. It's beautiful around here. So I mean, uh, the offer is open. Listen, as, as someone who is a uh, big fan of season three of The Leftovers, I, you know, I, I see a lot of Australia and I'm just like, yeah, I need a... I need to go check that out. Funny enough, like, you know, before we started recording, like, we were talking about, like, New Zealand, and I was just like, that's the one place, like, I I love, and again, it's, it, it and I, I don't mean to sound like, an, again, like an ignorant American, but, like, I love, like, a good Kiwi accent, you know? That, that like, one of my favorite things is just, like, watching, you know, and, and I'm sure, yeah, you're shaking your head, though, no, you know, but, again, to me, I watch it, and I'm just like, Oh, fuck i'm like you guys sound so cool i'm like i wish like again i have my first time going up to toronto everyone was like wow say, say chicago and like you you have such a midwest and i don't think i have like a midwestern accent because i've definitely met people you know who's like yeah dicky you should come here we'll go eat some sausage and then we'll go watch a bears game you know go bears <laughs> the bears the bears, the, the bears. <laughs> definitely not but there was like i remember they were like oh, say say chicago you know, and I'm just like, uh, Chicago, they're like, whoa, that's so weird. But, if, you know, but uh, of course everyone's saying it in their nice Canadian accent. Like, uh, I don't, that, that really sound Canadian. But no, a, a New Zealand accent is, you know, it's, you know, every, like every time, that's why to me it's like every time Jay White, you know, he's just like tries to sound really oh, tough. I'm no. just like, get out, get out of here, you silly goose. I mean, that, yes, so that is the problem. So, at least, you know, at least you understand, at least you like it for... The, the correct reason. So as somebody who's had a New Zealand accent and has now adapted to be sounding more Australian, uh, I much prefer the Australian accent. Uh, like listening back to myself with a New Zealand accent, it's tough, man. It's a very submissive accent. So like you said, like Jay White trying to sound tough, it doesn't work. Anyone trying to sound tough with that accent doesn't work. Um and uh, I'm much, I'm much happier with my my Australian accent, but uh, I'm I'm glad there's some people out there that that find it endearing. I I I kind of cringe at it, even being a New Zealander myself. Oh, I'm ta- I again. I, I I was telling you how how big a fan I am of of Taika Waititi movies, and there's one particular uh, boy that I remember watching it, and you know it was just like. Oh man, I'm like I, I again. I was just like I wish like the amount of just hey bruv, bro, like bruv and bro that you know they would say. I'm like ah, oh, that sounds so cool. like it again. Very reminiscent of um, every single time I watch Attack the Block. I'm not sure if you've watched the uh, Attack mm-hmm. the Block. Um, it's with uh, uh, Jesus. What's his name from Star Wars? Uh, well, it takes place like it, you know. It's it's like this. It's everyone you know it's all oh bruv and just these accents these real thick accents and i'm like yeah that tomorrow like, morrison were we talking about him before tomorrow morrison you know he has a uh you know fun they're all like british though and in this oh, right, attack right, the right. black yeah they're they're all they're all british you know the the, the yeah. least cool of uh accents but <laughs> uh yeah no though you know so but though so the one thing 
again, in that I sort of found interesting is just, again, sort of we were talking about this is, again, one, it's, and in, in, we're talking about Inception, of course, and um, you've actually dabbled in film. Because, again, they, like, I, again, this movie comes out 20, what, 2010, so I'm in high school at the time. I'm probably a junior. Um, yeah, this is actually, I, so this comes out right before I start working at the movie theater. So I probably would have been about, like, a, a junior in, in high school. And I remember, um, like, I always sort of say my first exposure, you know, I've, I've watched movies all the time. But, like, I remember watching Requiem for a Dream and... Like, you know, steering away from, from drugs because I was like, no, I'm going to lose my arm like Jared Leto. But that's sort of leaving mm-hmm. me down in a rabbit hole of, like, people. Because this was when you could just upload full-on movies onto YouTube. You know, it was the Wild West back in those days. You know, and a lot mm-hmm. of times people would be like, oh, check out this, check out that. And so you would just, you know, type it in there or whatever, you know, LimeWire, wherever you get your hands on these movies. And uh, I became more a fan of, you know, actual directors. You know, where it's like, oh, this... Quinn Quentin Quentin Tarantino makes some pretty good movies, you know, or like uh, I could recognize, you know, sort of like, oh yeah, this is clearly like Spielberg making it, and Christopher Nolan to me is someone who like, you he is pretty very much in the same way like a Jordan Peele is the draw when you go watch the movie, like same thing with Christopher Nolan, you know, like he's got Oppenheimer coming out, I. In what other context would I be like, yeah, I really want to watch a movie about, you know, John Oppenheimer. That sounds pretty cool. But you tell me, like, Christopher Nolan is attached to it, and I'm just like, oh, okay, let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's sort of go watch this. Um, and, of course, you know, so, again, this sort of, oh, I want to do film. And I eventually do go to film school for about a semester, and um, uh, it winds up not being what I want it to be, slash mm-hmm. my first serious girlfriend at the time breaks up with me slash cm punk leaves wrestling so it was just a one two you know it was a not the best but uh you know you mentioned you that you you, you've dabbled in in film yourself well you know want to tell us a little bit more about that yeah so i guess for me it it, it's film school is always a funny thing because when i was I guess coming out of high school, it was, yeah, you could go to film school, but I mean, really a lot of people, at least in New Zealand, because it was still a, a, a relatively young industry. This was before any of the Lord of the Rings films came out. Um, you know, they, they basically said, you don't need to go to film school. You know, all you need to do is get a camera and, and, and just, I guess it's all about the stories. So you just need to tell a story with pictures and enter those films into festivals. And then you will just start to network and join up with people and get recognized and have a name that starts to build from, you know, snowball from something small into something big. And that that's that's essentially what the the program of film school was. Uh, don't get me wrong, there were film schools, and and some of my friends did did go to to film school. And I'm not saying that uh, you didn't need to go to film school, but it was kind of a wide open area. And uh, I actually chose to uh, study design uh, with the intention of 
doing animation, but more just kind of effects-based stuff, uh, uh, anything that sort of visually tells the story in kind of a weird way. I was a kind of weird cat. You know, I, 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 again, it kind of ties into the film that we're talking about. Like I would have, you know, very lucid dreams and wake up and just... I remember saying to a friend in high school, like, oh, it would be so great if I, if you could, if there was a device that could actually record my dreams so I could watch them back after I woke up because I had a little hard time remembering every single detail and they were so wild and all this sort of stuff. And my friend kind of telling me, not that it was a stupid idea, but that it was kind of a dangerous thing if that existed sort of thing. And I don't disagree, but I, I did kind of fall into this like wanting to be able to have the ability to to like recreate my dreams if I had them, you know, sort of thing, or, you know, and again, sort of like tying back to the film where they talk about how dreams are like the 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 purest of uh, you know inspiration. What is it like the uh, like genuine inspiration is. You know, and 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 uh, your brain only works ten percent of the time when you're awake, but it's like working in overdrive when you're asleep and all that sort of stuff. And so I started to sort of think to myself, it's like, you know, I wanted to kind of get into not necessarily be a filmmaker, and I I don't even know what I even call myself to this day, whether it's like multimedia designer or, or something like that, but just. You know, I do have this wild imagination, a lot of it drawing from my dreams and a lot of it visual. I can't say that it necessarily makes any sense, but, you know, I wanted to sort of study to be able to do like 3D modeling, 3D animation, visual effects compositing, editing, all that stuff. And so that that's kind of what I started with. Um, and then... You know, eventually I, I had to sort of figure out, I, I think at the time it was kind of like, well, what is, which one of those things are you going to do? And I'm like, I, you know, I, I liked the like character animation, you know, like sort of thing, but you, you either needed to be like a real specialist in one of those things or kind of be like a jack of all trade master of none sort of thing. And I went for the jack of all trade and, and kind of was a smart thing to do because, you know, back then, yeah, people needed character animation. Now something called motion capture exists and there are still character animation jobs, but there's, you know, not as many as there would be if it wasn't for technology and, and so forth, which I fully support, you know, but at the same time, there's a lot more people looking for skills like mine where they can just throw a brief at me and be like, can you do this? We're not looking for, you know, the a masterpiece in one area. We're looking to, to give this to somebody that they can, like, pull it off. And even if there was a specific area that maybe I wasn't able to do, I knew how to... I don't know, outsource, brief somebody, get exactly what I want to sort of think. So I actually found myself becoming somewhat of a director in a sense, but I was, if anything, directing myself with 
all the tools that I had at, at my disposal. And so, yeah, it, it's the things that people ask me to do. I mean, even like, you know, I don't know, there's, there's been lots of projects that you've probably seen and it's, it's all, it's all done myself, whether it's 3d stuff, editing, um, you know, or, or, uh, I guess 3d modeling and all that, all that sort of stuff. And, at the time this film came out, you know, I, I was freelancing, um, doing TV commercials in here in Australia. I actually, I believe when this film came out, I went and saw it with a director of, uh, some of the TV commercials that I've been working on and was about to work on probably my biggest project for Dell computers with, a. um, an award-winning uh, musical artist here called Megan Washington, who I don't think has much of a presence in the U.S. or Canada, but maybe someone's listening to this and knows who, who that was. But yeah, it was a uh, uh, it was actually a TV commercial with Dell, and and, and uh, that was my highest profile job at the time. But it would also be my last job in freelance before I moved to a, a much more kind of financially lucrative space in, in, in the corporate world where I stayed for about seven years before kind of like <laughs> hitting up Braden and Davey and saying like, I am creatively bankrupt now. Uh, can I please do some work with you uh, for free? I will pay you actually, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> just to, uh, just to, to flex my muscles and, and kind of prove to myself that I, they still had, had what it took. But uh, yeah, there's, um, you know, that, that's, that whole thing that you said about like directors having names and, and, and stuff like that. It, you know, it's not something that I ever, it's funny, man, because like I, I used to ha- be associated with a lot of young, well, younger people who wanted to become directors, but they wanted to become the next Quentin Tarantino. They wanted to become the next Christopher Nolan. And it's like, it's not how it works, you know? Um, like I used to live with a guy who, you, you know, when he signed the lease that we that we live with, you know, he had this weird signature. I'm like, what's up with that? And he's like, oh, you know, I just met, I just, when I was younger, just made sure I chose a signature that was easy if I needed to do autographs. And I'm like, well, what's going on in your head? Like, I mean, that's not really how all of this works, See, right? There, like, There is a lot of that. Because again, even myself, like I went like, First off, I love the idea of like wanting to become a jack of all trades because that was very much me in film school because, you know, it was one of those. There was a lot of people who I I only want to learn how to do audio. I only want to learn how to edit. I only want. And I'm just like, are you crazy? Like you should learn all of it because what hap- what happens if your editor drops dead and you're you know, your thing is due tonight. You know, I mean, you'd probably get an extension, but, you know, it's just like one of those like, no, it's like you should learn. And that's how I am just in my, like at my job, you know, like at my job, I, I'm not at the position that I am because I was like, no, here's the one job I want to just do, you know, I'm going to clock in, clock out. That's all I want. like, no, I've sort of just, I want to do everything I want to learn. Like even with this podcast, like it's, you know, like, uh, it, and oftentimes it's like uh, it's it's a women that I meet who are just like oh that's cool you do this and they're like and so so you record and then you send it to to someone else and they do all that for you and your graphics and everything and I'm like no 
I uh, like I, I sort of I, I do all of that on my own, and it's just uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's a, the thing I, I I genuinely enjoy. But you know, you mentioning there was a lot of uh, and I was twenty. 20 maybe 21 when i first went into film school because funny enough i wanted to go to full sale and this was this was literally right oh on top of so i mentioned you know uh it's not working out for me so i'm like i'm not sticking with this you know girlfriend leaves me uh cm punk leaves uh my cousin who was attending full sale she's like oh they're making us work with wwe now and like i'm just like (laughs) awesome I'm glad that you're being forced to work with WWE now too. Also like awesome. But a lot of the, the kids, cause that's what they were. They were 18 year old kids. A lot of them were all, they were all uh, like coming in very early morning on the train from like the surrounding suburbs. And, you know, just we're a different, it was a lot of that. Like I want to, I want to be the next this, I want to be the next that. I remember there being one kid who, because outside of out of our screenwriting class, there was a French poster for Pulp Fiction, and you know we're like waiting one time, and we mentioned like, oh yeah, Pulp Fiction. He's like, I've never watched that. We're like, really? You've never watched Pulp Fiction? He's like, I've, I don't watch many movies, and we're just like, well, that's okay. Like, why? He goes, I don't want my art to be derivative of anyone else's, and I'm just like, oh, that's ad- like that's adorable because, you know, like since what 1992 everyone has wanted to be quentin tarantino and like it's just you know that's not a like no that's just not a thing you know like i've always you know not that uh you know uh like kevin smith i've always been such a fan of him because of you know oh i just want to make i want to make these silly movies about me and my silly friends and just you know if you love it awesome thank you i love you for it and you know, he's never been someone who's like, I mean, he's definitely tried to like, maybe I'll make this and it'll be a little bit more mainstream, you know, and like in Zach and Miri make a porno and it flops and mm. he's like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. I'm going to make this weird fucked up movie where I turn Justin Long into a walrus. And it's like, why? It's like, because Justin Long said, yeah, that's fucked up. Let's do it. Like, it's, you know, it, like I very <laughs> much, I, I, I get what you mean because even, you, you know, like even with this podcast, I've always said like, I've, zero intention of like i'm gonna be the next joe rogan and it's gonna you know spotify is gonna pay me <laughs> i'm glad you never said that <laughs> yeah well honestly i mean this is brought you know this is brought to you uh, by, where's uh, the uh where's the disconnect button <laughs> this i mean this podcast is brought to you by on it you know use promo code dicky bird you know you get 69 yeah, sure. off but no this is one of those things where it's like i i'm a big and i'm sure you are too a genuine believer of like if you like something just like do it because you enjoy it because oftentimes like there's if you're just doing it for you know the fame and recognition and money it's like if that stuff will come along with it it'll come later along you know down the line like it's just you you do it because you like it because you want to get good at it i mean i frequently go back and listen to episodes of my podcast you know and even so much as like a year ago i'm like ugh. You know, like God, God forbid, I listen to you know the first few episodes. I'm just like, oh God, why, why did John and Way agree to sit down with this, you know, with this boy and and let him, you know, record them? It's just, it's one of those things. Like I, I, I you know, like like you mentioned, you, you you know, you're like, oh, I felt creatively bankrupt. 
like that's why like and i was sort of in that way too which is why i decided i'm just gonna message all my friends and say hey let's sit down and just record all these some of these will probably come out in a month or two but it's like i just i really i have the most fun when i'm just talking with my friends about like these movies that we love and again it's not like oh it's inception everyone loves inception so it's probably gonna get a million down like no, I love this movie, and mm. you know, like to to this day, my alarm is uh by Edith Piaf because I'm a nerd, and when you know, mm-hmm. like when whenever I have a friend sleep over, it's usually like, why is that your alarm clock in the morning? And I'm like, like you simpleton, like because this might all be a dream. And then I grab my little top and I spin it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, yeah, the whole million downloads thing. I, I, I would have never have chosen this this film uh, <laughs> on my on my own. You, you 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 did provide a like a like a handy list, which is good for me because I'm a very indecisive person. Um, and you know, obviously, I could have come back to you and said all those shit. Let's do this, uh, but you know, Inception was on the list and. I wouldn't have ever chosen this film because there's a lot of um, pain that's actually associated with this film and myself. But one of the things that I I think is actually good for my own creativity is, you know, going back to these times and thinking about them and talking about them because the experiences that we have in, in life actually like they, I cannot explain like how much the experiences that I've had have kind of shaped my career, being able to 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 do whatever it is that I that I do. So the person who at your film school said, "I don't want to watch Quentin Tarantino films because I don't want to make films like that," or you know, I don't whatever. It's like, yeah, you, you, I mean, you have a choice, like you, you, you don't, ha- you know, sort of thing, but you should tr- try to experience things, happy, sad, whatever they are, because of course, later on when you are trying to create things that speak to people, that relate to people, you need to know what these experiences are like, um, you know, there are certain things as a white man in a predominantly white country here in Australia that I've never experienced. And it would be hard for me to um, do things for a specific audience that I haven't experienced. Um, and I try my my hardest to to go outside of, of my comfort zone to, um, maybe that's not the right word, but, you know, just outside of my everyday life to to learn about these things. Um, and so, yeah, the, 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 this film, and I mean, I will, I want to, to talk about this is kind of why, uh, this film was, was deeply upsetting to me when I first watched it. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, and it's kind of funny, like, again, because it's you as well, and you mentioned it off the top, about your summer and, and, you know, I guess the thing, <laughs> I, you know, I guess we'll just get into it now because um, I've sort of alluded to it is, is that, you know, when I, um, when I left 
New Zealand to come to Australia, it, it wasn't easy for me to get a job when I was in New Zealand and I was looking for jobs and I had to kind of extend my range <laughs> to outside of the country, to the closest other country, which was Australia. And I ended up getting a job and, you know, having to move to Australia. Um, they took me even without going over there for an interview and all that sort of stuff. So it all happened very quickly. And I was in a, a you know, I was in a very serious relationship with, you know, probably the first person who I'd ever fallen in love with. And um, the relationship was a bit difficult because I didn't have a job and I felt a little bit like I was worthless and that she was fully supporting us and all this sort of stuff. And I was young, I was 23, so I wanted to, you know, I had to build a career and all that sort of stuff. So I, I had to I had to go. And she was just starting a new job, so she decided to stay. Um, but we were, I guess, naively still together, talking to each other every day, you know, all that sort of stuff. We, you know, I... I came over in October, so uh, this was 2007. So I, you know, went back for Christmas and spent Christmas with her and, and, and all this stuff. And, you know, I remember one, man, I remember one day, like, you know, I was talking to her on the phone and she was just crying, like, bawling, why did you leave me? And just... Like it was very difficult. Um, I know a lot of people in hindsight, they're sort of like, why didn't she come over or, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And it just wasn't that simple. Um, but that was kind of the plan eventually, hopefully sort of thing. Um, you know, then probably a couple of days later, like I called her and, you know, it rang out. And so I called again and then it went, you know, a couple of rings and then went to voicemail. So I'm like, okay. And then rang again and, you know, some, some guy picked up the phone and it was like, uh, okay, you know, so I guess you could kind of figure out what was going on from there. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, Again, talking about your summer, you sort of know what what kind of happens to somebody when it, it everything just comes crashing down like that. And, um, you know, I went through a very, very difficult part of my life where I was, uh, when I was awake, I was in, in constant pain um, having to deal with, with this. Um, and she was in another country and there was, I felt helpless and there was nothing that I could do. But when I would sleep, every time I went to sleep, we were back together. We were, wasn't a recurring dream or anything. It was different dreams, but she was there. We were happy and everything was, was great. And then I would wake up. And I would be in my nightmare. Um, I would then go down a path of self-medicating in order to get myself to sleep. 
So not, it's funny, like not falling off the wagon to be drunk, to not feel the pain or anything. Like just, I don't know, wake up. Then in a couple of hours be like, not really into this. And then start drinking so that I can go back to sleep at least for a couple of hours or, or something like that. And, you know, <laughs> this became like, you know, I, th- thankfully it wasn't really something that, you know, derailed my my life and all that sort of stuff. But because I've been such, you know, and I said it at the, the start of the show, because I've been s- like a really lucid dreamer, like I I couldn't tell the difference anymore. You know, I started to kind of lose my mind in terms of really to me what was real and what wasn't. Because when I went to sleep, that was where I wanted to be. That was my reality, if anything. And, um, you know, the only way that I ended up breaking out of it was that, unfortunately, that those dreams started to kind of decay into what was the actual reality, which was that she wasn't around and it wasn't my fault. It was her fault or whatever. And so if anything, he kind of went through a period of, well, now it's a nightmare to go to sleep because she's there not being nice and we're not happy anymore sort of thing. And then, you know, the, the, the old saying is that really it's all just about time and time kind of heals everything and so kind of just sort of went went away eventually, um, the, the dream stuff. However, I was still very much hung up on this person until this film came out and probably afterwards as well had other relationships that were completely fraudulent relationships because I was just trying to, you know, whatever, all still part of the process, Mm -hmm. but a very mean part of the process because you are pretending like you are with somebody that you're not really. And anyway, you know, I, 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 when, when I saw that this film was coming out, you know, they, they didn't really go too much into the, the Mao stuff mm-hmm. with Cobb in the trailers, but I could tell, knowing that it was about dreams and stuff, I could tell that this was something that um, was going to be tough, but I wanted to see it. I was a big Christopher Nolan fan after The Dark Knight, and, um, yeah, I, I took the plunge and went and saw the film and, um, man, there's just so many, so many parallels. I, I, you know, we talk about like having experiences so that you can relate to people. I, I don't know how many people relate to like the, the whole dreaming thing. I know I watched this with my other half the other day, uh, Mrs. Dickey, as I call her, and she was kind of like, uh, this is all a bunch of of crap, you know, kind of thing. Whereas I'm like, no, Divorce. they get it and all that. <laughs> yeah, no, they get it and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, the things that were in this film, I think I related to just enormously. 
um, the basement levels, you know, that cob has, you know, that sort of stuff is insane to me because that was very much how I felt in my, at least in, not necessarily I had dreams where I was in basement levels, but I did have dreams where I was at those different levels, you know, sort of thing. And, you know, her in in his dreams just screaming like, you know, you said you'd never leave me and all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, it's really tough, even not, not as tough now, obviously, because this was, uh, this was 15 years ago that this happened to me. Um, so I am very much moved on, but, but even just remembering the pain, um, at the time of the film and then at the, when I saw the film, the pain. So it's kind of like this sort of knock on effect of, of, of the things that I, that I went through. No, I, I understand what you mean with that. Cause yeah, I mean, again, like I watched this as a sophomore, so, or not sophomore, I was like a junior in high school. You know, again, I'm seven, 16, 17 years old. So it's, you know, I'm sure at that time, you know, I'm, I'm in love and then heartbroken over someone and could have sort of just like, oh yeah, I, you know, again, I, I, I can relate with cop, but this is a film that, yeah, like after the summer that I had, it was, there's, there's several films and TV show that I've tried to sort of stay away from because I'm like, you're doing good. You know, I'm like, it's been, a, you, you've been relative, you've been better in the later, latter six, seven months than you were the first few. And I just sometimes, you know, uh, something will trigger me, you know, like I, because again, it's, it's with, with healing in general, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes you think you'll be okay. And then, you know, you, you, you see something at all out and you run out to your car and, you know, have to be talked out of leaving, you know, a wrestling show before it even starts because it's, you know, again, you just have a triggering effect to, th- to some things. And th- so with some movies, I'm like, ah, okay. And this one was definitely one because, yeah, again, like, you know, I, again, I go through the worst heartbreak I've ever been through this summer. And, like, it was to the point um, where, like, I couldn't be at work. And I'm very fortunate in that I work right down the street from my job and there would be times where again like i would i would show up and 10 20 minutes into my shift i'm just like i need to get out of here you know i was very non-approachable in as much as obviously people could read my face and tell something was wrong and you know i'm very much the person where if you hey are you okay is something wrong or oh, I'm just good. The, the, you know, tears are going to come out. And so I just, you know, would just avoid any sort of contact with people. And there'd be times where I'd be like, okay, I, all right, it, I need to go back to my apartment and I'm going to cry for five, 10 minutes or just lay down for five, 10 minutes. And all I would do was just sleep. Like I would self-medicate in as much as I would just, I was taking melatonin like they were, you know, Skittles. I was just, I, you know, it never got to any, any, anything crazy or anything. You know, I wasn't, uh, you know, I'm fine now. Uh, melatonin doesn't really work that much now, but it, you know, again, it's, it's That's kind of what happens with melatonin, right? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so kind of what happens. Stops working. Yeah. When the only, yeah. When it, when your diet for two, three months consists of water and melatonin, that's, it's going to happen, but no much like, yeah, again, I, I would just want to sleep through the pain because of that, because when, 
I was asleep, you know, it, none of it was real. Everything that I am also a lucid dreamer. So it'd be one of those things where more often than not, I would, you know, we're, we're out to dinner and I noticed something funny out of the, you know, out of the corner of my eye. And it's like, Oh, this is a dream. And, and it's always that. And I'm sure you can relate when you're like, okay, nope, just stay asleep, stay asleep, stay asleep. And you like that, you wake up because you know, your brain is sort Mm -hmm. of, it gives you that kick that you know wakes you right back up and yeah you know like i could with Cobb, you know again played by leonardo dicaprio there's you like there's these memories that he still has that he goes back and revisits you know like when when um elliot van ellen page now elliot page you know when they go and you know they're like what are you, what are you doing what's this hotel like what what's going on and he's you know remembering revisiting those things like um with this podcast, like I'm, I'm, I, you know, everything from that relationship, I, I, I threw away. I, I kept, I, I held on to it, you know, for a while. And then when, um, you know, when I found out like, oh, there's a, there's a boyfriend now, you know, it was, there's a, waited about a week or two. Now there's a new boyfriend. And I was kind of just very like, okay, cool. And threw everything away, you know, and I'm a human being. And, some, you know, certain times, as much as I have, you know, moved on from all that stuff, you know, sometimes I, I do get a little, you know, sentimental, get a little down. And my, again, in rewatching this, I was like, oh, I have that hotel where I can look at, you know, uh, my other one in the form of like Epis podcasts that we did. You know, I never took those down. I've never, I've never taken down any podcasts for, for any reason, let alone those, just because I'm like, there it happened you know and whether or not it's it's good for my mental health or not it's for you know myself and and my therapist to sort of talk about but it is that was one of those things where again now seeing it through you know a sort of different you know a a different eyes again because the last time i saw this again i watched this religiously when when it came out and for a few years after but yeah i was also about 18 19 maybe 20 years old and you know i'm 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 going to be 30 in a few months. So it's just, I, my perspective has sort of changed, you know, it's, it's, it's different now. And, you know, back then I could relate to Cobb in as much as like, yeah, breakups suck. Now I can sort of relate to it in as much as like, you know, yeah, there's, there's that lingering, you know, those lingering memories still there that, you know, you, you know, you need to let go you know you should let go of but they're still there because again like even in this movie Cobb is he's still a human being like it's you know it's much deeper in with him and, and as much as like you know he lost his wife he lost the mother of his children and he, he feels very much guilty for you know for putting her in that sort of mental state but it wasn't that heavy of a rewatch because that that was one of the things where um, because again, the, the list that I presented to you was just like, Hey, here are things that I would really love to talk about. And this was one of them. And like, when you said like, yes, yeah, so there's, you know, there's some heaviness attached to it on my end. I was like, well, you know, myself as well. And yeah, and rewatching it, that was just that in particular, again, the, I, I don't know if it's fair to say a toxic relationship between, you know, Cobb and Maul, but like, it's sort of what it's become because again, we, we get very few glimpses into what that relationship actually is prior to, you know, uh, him and, you know, uh, using inception on her. 
we only know the aftermath and what's come after that. So, you know, again, it's this, the, the version of her that we see is the version of herself that manifests herself as trains and tries to run him down and, you know, like him and his friends and, 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 you know, again, I'm very much there where sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, I'm having a great time. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on a date with a girl or something and, you know, something is said or, or, you know, maybe it's like, it just, you know, something will happen and here, then I see that train, I see that train coming and I'm just like, oh, come on, man. Like, you know, it was, it was such a nice time. And yeah, it, again, that relationship particular in between the two, I can, I, you know, I, I sympathize with the guy, you know, again, this person is like essentially, you know, again, replaying this over and, and has the capability, you know, we were lucky in that, you know, when, when you were going through that and, and me now, that we can't just literally put ourselves to sleep and replay that over and over. Of course, we have our memories, but, you know, I can I can replay back a memory and go, oh, yeah, I, re I remember she was wearing, you know, she was wearing that Nirvana shirt and go back and it's like, no, she was wearing a Britt Baker t-shirt. And I'm like, no, 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 mm -hmm. I swear it was the Nirvana. And it's like, nope. This was, you know, months before I even bought that. And it's like, huh, because that's the thing with and another thing too that like attracted me so much to this movie was 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 that that like because it, it, it came out right around the time I was taking psychology. And of course, as a high schooler taking psychology, I'm just I'm all about it. And I'm just like, yeah, like the way our mind will play tricks on us, not you know, to be like some sort of uh, you know, silly goose, but it's like sometimes it's you know, it's just the way it is. You're processing so much. You know, you think about a regular processor on a computer. It's like it so much goes through it. But also sometimes it's like, no, you're subconsciously like misremembering something to to make yourself feel better. Because, you know, if if me and Dickie get into an argument and I say some really heinous things, I might remember it as like, well, no, I just called him a jerk. That that was all. And it's like, hmm. No, may, you know, may, maybe hear Dickie out on what it exactly it was that you said. And I think Cobb definitely goes through a bit of that in as much as like, did, did I make her, you know, did I make her commit suicide? Or was that something that, you know, was just there? It was going to manifest itself anyway. And he just exas, you know, like sort of sped things up. And yeah, that relationship, you know, in particular is just one that I'm always just like, oh, fuck yeah like you sort of there was there you know the, the having to live with that guilt is, is just one of the things because um you know I, I i think most people you know whether have some form of guilt over something and again to to have it be to the extent that he has it's like ooh, i'm not something i'm envious of yeah and and you said like if we had he's got a a, a machine that he can plug himself into and Thankfully, we do not because, you know, the, yeah, I, I guess the, the reason that we're able to move on from these things is that our, our brains kind of heal themselves. But if you are every night plugging yourself into this thing and reliving it all, you just never, ever will move on, which is... You know, for, for, for Cobb, like, he ends up having to um, kind of, he has to take that leap himself sort of thing. Whereas us, you know, we just, we just, 
try our best to keep living and 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 stuff. And yeah, there are a few things like throwing stuff away and all that sort of things. But the pain and the memories and all that sort of stuff has to. You can't just throw that away. It just dies over time unless you're plugging yourself into a machine <laughs> and reliving it every night. <laughs> then that never goes away. So, um, yeah, it, you know, I, this, this film, I guess, because you mentioned also like you were studying psychology in, in high school. It's one of those things for me like, and I've talked about this in regards to music, where, you know, my dreams have been like this fascinating thing. Like I sometimes make a, 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 a habit of when I wake up just lying there for, for 20 minutes and just taking the steps backwards to see how far back I can actually remember the dream after I wake up and then I'll actually remember the thing. Otherwise, if I don't, it tends to go away pretty quick after you wake up and all that sort of stuff. You know, and they, they kind of talk about this in the film. But one of the things that I never wanted to do and why it relates to the music is in any way, shape or form, like read into what, you know, what dreams are about and all these sorts of things. We have, we have a saying here in Australia, I don't know if you have it in North America, is that you, you don't want to know how the sausage is made. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, if you, if you knew how the sausage is made, you probably wouldn't enjoy sausages anymore. So that's the same thing with me and music. I, I, you know, I, music is this amazing thing. I don't know how it, it manages to get emotions out of me the way that it does, but I don't want to find out. I don't want to look into it just in case it kind of ruins the magic. And it's the same with dreams. And and the only thing that I ever really thought about when it came to the study of dreams is that bullshit, you know, like, you know, oh, oh, if you have a dream where you're falling, you know, that means that you have, you know, daddy issues or something, right? You know, absolute crap that I think is akin to things like astrology where it's like, you know, you can't, you can't put a, th- this, this one thing happens in your dream and it's the same for everybody. It doesn't, oh, it doesn't it, work like that. And yeah, the, the, I, the dream I, interpretation. I know. Yeah, I, I know why I dream what I dream about. You know, I have recurring things in my dreams. Like if I'm on a plane in my dreams, there's a good chance that there's going to be a incident. The plane will crash or have a a, a near fatal crash or, or something like that. That's not uh, an interpretation of anything apart from the fact that. Look, when I'm on planes, it's something that I kind of am a bit wary of, you know, sort of thing. So, yeah, in my dream, I get on a plane and it's kind of ends up always sort of happening sort of thing. So I, I always only thought that that was the kind of thing that was out there in terms of people studying dreams. However, when I watched this film, you know, and and – because I was kind of bamboozled by it, I wasn't going in to learn about dreams, but they touched on things that I was like, yeah, you know, they touched on the kind of real things about dreams that I guess 
either everyone experiences or more specifically lucid dreamers uh, experience. You know, things like, uh, and I, uh, I, I, I had it up here, the, the create, you know, your dream simultaneously creates, or your, sorry, your brain simultaneously creates and perceives within a dream. Um, people have said it's kind of like a video game where it sort of renders specifically to what you are like in real time and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because everything is so detailed and I don't understand it. And, but even, even like you wake up, do you ever have these moments where you're dreaming and there's either a sound or maybe you're actually falling asleep listening to something and everything around you is in sync with what you're listening to. So you're, you know, like as I could be listening to a podcast and actually dream that I'm looking at this person and they're talking and their mouth is in sync with what's actually here. It's like, how do you know what the mouth is about to do based on it? And because it's, it's just so real time. Like that's even more of the things that I just go, how is this happening? Yeah. Like if, if, if I fall asleep watching TV or yeah, like listening to music that, I very much have had those experiences, but there are also like signs. And again, in my dreams that usually like, if, uh, if I can't, if I can't find any water fountains or any beverage to drink, despite in that dream, not being thirsty. Like if I can just physically see you and I are sitting in a kitchen and the fridge is empty and the sink doesn't work instantly. I wake up and I'm just, Oh my God, I'm dying of thirst. And you know, like that'll be, it's just one of those things where, and now it's almost to the point where, again, if I'm having a dream and, and you and I, you know, we're out to lunch, you, me and Brandon from New Jersey are out to lunch and, you know, the, the waiter, <laughs> the waiters come by and taking our order and our drinks still haven't gotten there. And I look over at the next table and there's no cups there either. And, you know, left to right, no cups anywhere. Then I will instantly like, you know, I wind up getting, I, I, the kick, you know, kicks in and I'm, and I'm up and I'm just like, oh, dang. Yeah. Like that, that's what it was. Um, and yeah, it's just it, very much when they get into, cause again, the, at, and at an hour in the movie is about, you know, like these two spies essentially is, is what they are. You know, you, you have Cobb and Arthur again, played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like their job, they are these corporate espionage you know spot they go in and you know extract information from their clients or implant information you know if, if dicky knows the combination to this safe we've stolen the safe well we're gonna put him to sleep go in there and in the dream we're gonna convince him to give us you know the 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 password password to the safe and that is our job. You know, they're working for some shady government. They never tell you who. Again, clearly it's some sort of shady government agency. And in this world, this is, you know, some something that's profitable enough on the black market that it's just it has become a thing. You know, it's very much in in Christopher Nolan like fashion. It's just like, yeah, no, it's a thing. Like yeah, everyone does it. And you don't question it either just because it's you know it's done so well. But yeah, you know, again, in in this world at least, it is you know, enough of a thing where you can make a living on it. And clearly not an honest living because it's still 
you know, it, it's, it's espionage on a certain level. You're going in and you're stealing private information. It's no different than, you know, me hacking your hard drive and, you know, taking all your passwords and your, your credit card information. But this is just to a different extent, which is why, like, you know, and, and the thing, too, is that they have mastered the level of, of multiple dreams where you will be dreaming and then within the dream, they'll put you to sleep. And there's only so far down you can go because you can keep doing this and time works differently. You know, that's um, that's one of the things like seeing the charts and stuff that come out of this where it's like, all right, in this dream, time is moving at X speed. And in this one, it's moving at X speed and it just keeps going lower and lower. And, you know, ultimately you get to the point where you go too far in and that's when it really starts to fuck with you because you start losing touch of reality. And that's, you know, what happens with, with Cobb and with, with Maul, with, with his wife, like they went in too deep and, you know, he came out unscathed essentially, but like her brains turned to mush. Like she was, did he, yeah, did he, you know, I mean, he, you know, he, he (laughs) came out relatively, you know, less effects than she did because yeah, with her, Again, it got to the point where she didn't know what was real, what was going on, and again, clearly affected her to the point where it drove her mad. She jumped out of a building because she was convinced, like, no, 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 this is this is a dream, you know. And mm-hmm. again, just shows the you know the complexity of having to do that because again, like the reason they get hired specifically for this job is that you know Saito sees like you were able to like you were able to convince me because again, you mentioned the intricate details and that all, that happens all the time, like. I have this reoccurring dream where I'm in this, it's either an apartment complex or a hotel and I'm there frequently and I don't know what it is. I don't like, I've, I've tried looking, maybe there's some sort of name or something, but it'll happen. It'll happen frequently where I'm there and I wake up and I can remember, you know, the, the beige colored brick on the outside and I can remember, you know, the, the maroonish rug on the, and it's just, there's these things where how did my brain render this? Is this a place that I've maybe been to once and something happened and I don't just sort of remember? But it, it's typically that, you know, because again, they're they're trying to extract information from Saito in this. And the one dead giveaway is, you know, he sits down and he goes, you know, I've stared at this rug a million times and, you know, you got the one small detail about the rug that's off and that's essentially mm. what makes it for them. And, and yeah, because... Again, someone who lucid dreams, sometimes it will be like, wait a minute. This is no, this isn't my mom's house. Like, you know, it's it's not this color of uh of beige anymore. They painted it, you know, two summers ago and now it's white, and that sort of just kicks you right to sleep. But yeah, it is, you know, there is, for for as much action that is in this movie, because it is this weird like sci-fi thriller action romance question mark, you know, d- depending on, mm-hmm. on how you sort of view that relationship. Um it does get a bit talky at points, you know, in as much as like they got to explain everything there, for you. There's a lot of exposition in this film, like more than almost any other film that I've ever, ever seen, um, which I think is kind of why my, you know, Mrs. Dickey was was kind of like, OK, this is bullshit, because when you do that in films, you're not supposed to do it where it's so obvious because it does make it seem like someone's just speaking rules to you at the start uh and it's like going through a tutorial in a video game it's just like i shut the fuck up i just want to get to the thing (laughs) when it happens on a film it's supposed to be a lot more subtle they do it is yeah it's a little bit overboard in this um but so like 
I guess, yeah. <sighs> like one of my favorite bits of exposition in the film when it's a bit more subtle is the whole dying in dreams because, of course, they're not going to just be like, oh, yeah, if you die in a dream, you die in real life because some people have believed that. But I don't know about you, but I've been shot in dreams. I've fallen off things. I've been in plane crashes, by the way, and I just wake up, right? That tends to be what happens. And they explain that's kind of what happens in this film. However, that doesn't really help the whole action part of this film. You need something Mm -hmm. that, you, you know, keeps the characters in check. Otherwise, it's just like, well, fuck it. Just shoot me in the head. I don't really care, which is kind of what happened at the start of the film. They're like, you know, they get, um, you know, they get uh, someone and, and, you know, so, 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 hold, holding him at gunpoint and basically say, you know, yeah, shoot him. And it's just like he'll just wake up. So who cares sort of thing? Yeah, because there is, you know, the way that I know we like, the way that it works to get them out of the dream, because again, they are they're able to keep going into different levels. For the most part, three. Like you don't, you know, you don't go all the way and, and go to four because that's when you know things start to get fucked up. But because you know these two people are on there, they typically have someone on the outside running things for them, and that person's job is at a certain, you know. You have X. You have five minutes to extract this from Dickie, and at four minutes, put these headphones on them, and the music will start to play. And that you know the the that when they hear the music, you know, because again, and it's and that's one of the beautiful things too. I love the the soundtrack and you know just the uh, the audio in this film because a lot of it is just based on again that one Edith Piaf song, and you know you sort of hear like the and it's ringing and they're aware of what it is and it's just like okay we have you know there's only x amount of time left and the 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 main you know plot of 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 everything that's going on is again they're you know they're going to be hired to to perform inception on a man named robert who you know he's the son of of saito's main competitor with the idea that he's going to dissolve his father's company you know, uh, Maurice, the man, he just died and clear, they did not have a good relationship and they're banking on that. They're going to play on his nostalgia to go, you know, into his memories, into his subconscious and, you know, again, shine those up a little bit so that there is a better of a relationship there. But, you know, and he's like, yeah, you do this. I'll, you know, I'll clear criminal status because, again, Cobb is on the run. He's not he, he can't go back home because everyone's in the assumption he killed his wife. Um, and so, you know, ultimately the plan is that, you know, they're going to do three separate levels of a dream. It's going to be, uh, you know, cop. And one of my favorite parts, because I, 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 a big oceans 11, I'm a big fan of assembling a team, you know? And so you have, uh, a, a, a forger, which is just, uh, coming up with, you know, you, you must dream a little bigger, darling, you know, if, when you're in the dream, cause of course, if I'm like, I want a sword, well, you're gonna have a sword, but it's like, well, if I want, a, if I want this very specific sword, you know, if I want the one from the Highlander, you're gonna have that one, and that sort of, you know, Eames's job is to these sort of things where we need a car. Okay, well, you know what? We actually need a Mercedes, you know, da da da, because it goes this way. Like that is his job. They have the the chemist named Yusuf, who it's sort of, you know, our our way into 
explaining a lot of it because um someone's got it you know and and, and our conduit really for our or not con- our avatar for most of this is again uh the character of um ariadne again played by elliot page who that's who we are and as much as you know they're brand new to all this and being explained everything it's like oh this is how this works this is how that works you know and and they're tasked with designing the architecture you know uh because of, of course cobb is typically that's typically what he does but he's like i i can't i'm gonna i'm gonna sabotage it because um m- you know mal's gonna project herself into this like it it's pretty much you know a thing that he can't really do anymore because of that because of what we said and again i'm sure plenty of you can fucking relate to that there are certain things you can't do because boom there comes that train you know like it just it happens you know I'd, i i'd be lying if i said again seven months out of you know my relationship that there's not still sort of things that pop up here and there again i'm sure happens to you happens to everyone that is just how it is and again it's not even just relationships you know sometimes it's you know oh yeah that is where you know uh me and you know me and my friends used to go and ah, i didn't really have that great of a falling out with them so i just ah, it's fine there's another coffee shop or there's another you know restaurant you can go to in this instance i can't set up i can't you know set up the dream because it's going to be sabotaged by a you know a, my ex-wife you know, projecting yourself sometimes as a train. Um, of course, Maurice dies, you know, and th- that's when the plan, you know, kicks into action. They they sedate Robert into a three-layer dream. Again, this is, that's their, their ultimate plan. It's going to be three separate dreams. Time on each layer does run, you know, like I mentioned, time runs slower. And, you know, one person is going to stay behind, again, in Yusuf to, uh, to synchronize the kick. You know, that way it's going to, you know, aw- Every single person is going to be kicked at a different time, at a different level, but it's supposed to, you know, synchronize up and wake everybody up, and that'll, you know, that'll sort of be the plan. It sounds very convoluted, the way I'm sort of half-ass explaining it, but... It is pretty convoluted, even the way that they explain it into the films. You do you do have to kind of sit there afterwards and go, well, okay, yeah, all right, no, I've got my head around it, yeah. That, that's, why, that's why I very much appreciate it in... Um, in Interstellar, when they're trying to explain black holes, and it's just like, oh, we watched the Event Horizon. Here you go. This is how a black hole works, and it's like, oh, okay. There's not really, uh, you can't really explain, you know, entering dreams like that. But you know, it, it is sort of, you know, the way they go about it. And of course, you know, they uh, they abduct Robert in the first level of the dream. But a, but they're a, that's the thing too. The projections, you know, they they're more. Uh, alive and just your regular npcs you know they do they, they've of- been trained right isn't that the the thing that they've kind of insinuated that he's had he's had dream training he's had inception train well he's had uh you know the, the the dream training so that if somebody takes him under and in, you know that his uh, he's more aware of it sort of thing right inception is such you know going into people's dream is such a thing that yeah, you are trained again, and clearly he's uh, higher. He is, he is one of these elites, you know. Uh, I I don't necessarily know if myself and Dicky will get this uh, this sort of training. I, you know, I don't know uh, how much they're gonna want to infiltrate our minds and steal. But yeah, when you're the son of you know this giant business business conglomerate, they're very much gonna train you to to do that. Which is again, this is why you know 
it needs to be separate dreams. Like it needs to just, you can't go into the first one because this is what's going to happen. And uh, of course, in the first dream, Saito's wounded. And then that's, you know, when Cobra's like, oh, well, you know, if you die here, you, you know, it, it, you die in real life. And again, yeah. they explained it better. It's better than like a Freddy Krueger movie because that was always like one of the things in like the Freddy Krueger movies. Um, there you go, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, yeah, and so so yeah. So thankfully, they have this whole thing where it's like limbo. Oh well, because you know, but because you have to be because we're going so far deep, you have to be so heavily sedated. But of course, yes, if you die in in this particular thing that we're doing here, you pretty much will die in in real life you you will never wake up as effectively what they were saying what they're saying but of course yes you go into to limbo which is um and and just based on the whole timescape thing which is another thing that i like because my you know everyone uh, hopefully everyone realizes that when you dream it's like so much time has passed but i may have only had like a two-hour nap or something but i had like a whole thing happen you know sort of thing and so they explain and and yeah the deeper that you go you know one minute equates to like whatever 10 years or whatever they explained it to in 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 real life sort of thing so yeah and it does affect everyone differently because i mean you know uh, it's a bit of a spoiler alert we meet an older version of saito and he Mm. then meets you know a not even aged version of Cobb, and it's just again it works differently because yeah like again if you'll wake up your the that vessel of a body will be there but your subconscious you know your mind will be stuck in this like weird world of limbo where i don't your mind will be jelly right your mind will be a hundred years old when you are 30 or, or whatever and and yeah you're pretty much just going to be in a vegetative state if you wake up pretty much i guess yeah uh, Eames impersonates, which again, Eames played by Tom Hardy. One of my favorite just roles. In, like I'm a huge Tom Hardy fan. You know, I, I know he's not. Every- so is Christopher Nolan, by the way. By the looks <laughs> of it, yeah. You know, and, and that is that is one of the things too I like about Chris Nolan very much. Uh, you know, in in like a Tarantino, uh, Kevin Smith, or this, you know, same recurring characters and faces coming up. Because uh, it's always fun, you know. Because it's, sometimes it's like, all right, I'm gonna play you know in this movie christoph waltz is a terrible nazi he's the worst of the worst mm-hmm. but hey then in this one uh he's going around freeing slaves you know it's just it's sort of fun to move the chess pieces around in in, in, in this film michael kane's going to play an old british man and in this film he's going to play an old british man i don't think at this stage he can play anything else by the way but uh uh michael kane is 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 the best anyway moving on oh now <laughs> you're gonna tell me michael kane has ever had a good role in a movie <laughs> Look, Michael Caine. I, I no, actually, you know what? People might get upset because I will say, I don't care what Michael Caine's ever done. He's the best Alfred ever, and that will be the number one thing that I remember him for. And Children of Men, but you know that will be the next time I'm on the show. We'll do Children of Men. How about that? Anyway, moving along. The size of a tangerine. That's that is, that is that is what what I will always remember him for is the size of a tangerine. Um, so he, you know, Eames impersonates Robert's godfather to introduce the idea of uh, of an alternate will to dissolve the company. Cobb tells uh, Ariadne that he and Mal entered limbo again when experimenting with dream sharing, and they experienced fifty years in one night due to the time dilation with reality. Like again, and I mean, it, it's happened to me sometimes. Yeah, like you mentioned, like I, you know, I'm no stranger to wandering you know i'm gonna go take a nap on my lunch break you know and then just like waking up and i'm like oh no 
like what year is it and it's like oh it was five mm-hmm. minutes like you were just so worried mm-hmm. that you know again you you dreamt and you probably didn't get all your REM cycles in but yeah it was about five minutes um you know and again Mal refused to return to reality and and Cobb you know he performed inception on her to convince her you know she again woke up and her brain was his jelly like like you said she thought she was still dreaming and you know she committed suicide and framed Cobb in order to force him to do the same like again that's what i mean by like it's it's very toxic in that i they don't really reveal much about you know pre-inception what the relationship was like how things are going between them but like you know i don't i don't necessarily think i would ever you know uh commit suicide and frame my partner so that they could do the same and we could be together in this you know dream world that doesn't really exist like i mean yeah but i mean at the same time like she 100% believed that they were in a dream and he didn't and if you are you know she went to three different psychologists and was deemed sane mainly to frame him but also she was of sound mind she was because she absolutely 100% just knew that just figured that this was a dream and we have to die and and she's going to do it and he has to do the same and and all that sort of stuff so like i mean like i agree like i 100% that there's a reason why there's really not that much that is said about kind of even even what they were doing to get there in the first place sort of thing unless i you know miss that you know minor detail like sort of it's very sketchy as to how they even or why they were there in the first place, why they were in the dream and kind of. I think it was yeah. just them wanting to like experiment, you know, were they working a job or were they, you know, whatever, but that's what I mean. Like it's kind of on purpose that you don't know. There's a lot of, th- you know, as, as my, uh, as, as Mrs. Dickey says, uh, Christopher Nolan, he, he, you know, what kind of director is he? She says, he's a puzzle director, you know, you think about it, all of his films, maybe not necessarily the Batman films, but, you know, Memento and, uh, and, uh, the, the magic one, uh, the prestige, the, oh, um, they're all, prestige. yeah, they're, they're all puzzle films. You are given drips and drabs and you're supposed to just try and sort of work things out. And then there are some things that you are purposefully not given, uh, so that you maybe make your own mind up and, you know, which will obviously be like the end of this film. But yeah. This- how do you, how do you feel about that? Because I, again, I've, I've, I've mentioned it. That's all I ever talk about really. But like, um, with the show, the leftovers, you know, uh, Damon and the loft, he was, cause he also did, um, lost. And his whole thing was like, I am so, I'm so goddamn annoyed with everyone asking me about the ending of Lost, that I'm going to make a show with the definitive beginning, middle, and end. And you can't mm-hmm. bother me. You can't ask me. But he couldn't help himself. And that ending is left a little ambiguous. It's, it's you know, it's essentially, you know, you, you believe this character or you don't. And, you know, I remember at first it sort of bothered me because I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, you know, it was sort of like, the rest, none of the rest of the show really wasn't like that. It's not like you again. If you go in a Christopher Nolan movie, odds are it's gonna you know again have some sort of ending like that where yeah you could have sort you you 
interpret the ending. But is that something that sort of steers you away? Because again, I know some people that like, I they, you know they don't like Christopher Nolan movies because of that, or you know that's a specific thing where it's like no, they they want to be told, Dicky, this is exactly what happens. No ifs, ands, or buts. No, I I I'm a fan of it in films, um, standalone films. I do not like it in TV shows just because of the way that TV shows operate, which is a season by season being renewed um, sort of thing. I know some people say, uh, no, we're making this TV show and it's going to end after season three. I think Ted Lasso is going through this now. They, they specifically said it's going to end. But now they're like, well, I don't know, because Apple's offered us a lot of money for season four. And, and it, I just find that you you can't really do it in uh, TV shows as as much just because you could get cancelled at any time and then you don't finish it off or you're rushed to finish it off or or something like that. But in a in a film that is a standalone, you know, you go sit down, start, middle and end, and then you come out and you have a conversation about it. Um, it's not something I want to do. Uh, it's not a film I, I, I want to go and see all of the time because I think it, it you, you do want to sometimes just see ones where you can turn your brain off a little bit. Um, but again, if, if it's a Christopher Nolan film and you're going to go see it, you are expecting it sort of thing. And so I do, I, I appreciate, you know, that's, that's his art. That's what he's, he's doing. And, you know, and it allows us to, to kind of talk about it because I know that no matter how long we, uh, go on about this in the middle, you know, we're going to discuss the end and we're going to have our thoughts and neither one of us will be right or wrong. It is literally just up to our, our perception of, of, of the film and, and all that sort of stuff. So, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan, but no TV shows don't do it, you know, because it's just, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, you know, Yusuf drives the team around on the first level as they're sedated into the second level. You know, it's a hotel that's dreamed up by Arthur. Cobb persuades Robert that he's been kidnapped by, you know, by his uncle uh, that Eames is, you know, pretending to be and to, to stop, you know, everything that, that Cobb, he's he's a defensive projection. You know, he's like, I'm here to protect you. This is no, you know, this is who, you know, your dad hired me to do all this. And, you know, as as a as a ruse to get him to go into the third levels, like we're gonna go into a second level of dreaming because of, of course at this point he's not even aware that he's already in a dream, and you know so they're in the third level. The they infiltrate uh, this you know giant James Bond like fortress. Just if this, and I know he's gone on and said like yeah no that James Bond was my inspiration for you know the, the, this third dream level. Um, you know, there's this giant fortress again, just in the middle of the snow, with uh, Maurice inside, uh, where you know the, the Inception itself is is going to be performed. Um, however, Yusuf, you know, he performs his kick too soon by driving off a bridge. You know, which again to him is only going to be a few seconds, but now everyone else is just sort of just a little more. They lose a few hours as far as time goes, so everyone has to improvise. You know, uh, Arthur and Eames mm-hmm. both, and. What's the improvisation that uh, Elliot Page's character has to tell Cobb about the secret and uh, secret passageway? Right. Yeah. That's the that's the key issue. Is that in order to speed time up, they end up letting Malin. But uh, 
Yeah, which, and you know, she does sort of appear, you know, starts peeking up here and there in, in the other levels, but it's just like, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, it's like, we you, you gotta go even deeper, and I mean, you know, it's it's very much one of those, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of scenarios, because yeah, at that point, it's like, there is no other way to to buy them time, you know, like there's, mm-hmm. there's no, realistically nothing else they can do, so... You know, they, of course, they, uh, you know, they hitting the water is one of the kicks, which, and I keep saying kick. That is, and you've all experienced it. It's that feeling where, you know, you're sleeping and then just boom, you, you know, not, you don't necessarily have to Undertaker style shoot up, but you've felt it where all of a sudden, you know, you're just like, oh, what's going on? You know, like who, what, what day is it? You know, so one is, you know, Hit, you know drive the van off into the water another one is they're going to rig the elevator and the fortress with explosives so that'll sort of you know kick them up and you know of course mal she appears she kills robert before he can you know be incepted and uh you know he and he and saito are, are lost in limbo is essentially where we're at and again this is where Cobb and ariadne then you know they're like all right well you know, we we gotta we gotta rescue them in time for Robert's inception and Eames's kick. So that's where now the fourth level of dreaming. I hope you guys at home have some sort of, you know, yellow legal pad with what level of the dream we're at. I I, I hope you've seen the film. Uh. I, listen, at an hour and a half in, I sure hope so because they're either huge fans of myself, you know, you and myself, uh, or they're just taking it all in, going fourth level of dream all right i know i do mm-hmm. i remember reading in the japanese version of the film they do have like a little counter up in the corner of the film to like <laughs> let you know really? where you are yeah um you know Cobb makes peace with mal's death you know ariadne kills her projection and and wakes robert up with a kick you know revived in the third level he discovers the planet idea his his dying father tells him to create something for himself Cobb searches for Saito and Limbo and everyone else, you know, that gets kicked right back into reality. Cobb finds the aged Saito and reminds him of their agreement. Everyone wakes up on the plane. Saito makes a phone call. And, uh, you know, arriving in L.A., Cobb passes the immigration checkpoint, sees old Michael Caine, uh, accompanies him home. And uh, the one thing we didn't talk about is that they all have these totems, which is essentially your item that's going to let you know whether or not you're dreaming, whether or not you're asleep. And it has to be something very specific to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't let anyone else touch it or, or mess with it, which is also the confusing part because Cobb's totem is a top that spins indefinitely in a dream. But it used to be Mal's totem. So, you know, we see various times throughout the film. And again, I use, I'm so fucking nerdy. I used to have one right next to my bed and I'd wake up and I'd spin it as if it ever was going to not stop spinning. But, <laughs> you know, and that, that, it's essentially that if it topples over, you're not sleep, you know, you're, you're awake. If it keeps spinning yeah. indefinitely. So, so like I, this is the one, this is the biggest thing that I have a problem with because how, how is it? I don't understand how your brain in when you're when you're dreaming it's a subconscious so like surely it's going to fall over at some point. I, I don't understand that whole thing. Now, the loaded die that Arthur have, th- this has makes more sense to me. So he has a loaded die, that's his totem. And only he knows 
what side it's loaded on. And, you know, Elliot Page's character tries to, to touch it and he's like, don't touch it because that would defeat the purpose of it because then she would know what side it would be loaded on so that if she's architecting his dream that she would know just like the, 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 the rug in Saito's dream had to be wool and not polyester because he's supposed to know that as the architect, she would then know what the side it's supposed to be loaded on and could fool him if he tried to, to do it. Otherwise, you're not going to know that A, he has a loaded die and what side it is loaded on. Now, however, if he's just having a normal dream, he knows what side it's loaded on. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand how these totems actually work outside of just Inception itself if, you know, the person who is trying to trick you is not going to know that your spinning top doesn't fall over. But if you're just having a normal dream or if you are in, you know, Cobb and you are trying to relive these memories or you are Mal who's gone insane and doesn't know whether it's a dream or not, like, you, I don't understand how this totem is really actually going to prove anything to you. But that's my one hookup on this film yeah and, and again it, it like it is a thing like i've seen so many people that like because of that ending they're just like nope that's that 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 you know that's the final straw for me and because again though the, the credits are you know he spins it goes over with his kids and you know the the top starts to it, it's so faintly sort of moves a little bit and then just boom cuts to black and you know, again, Nolan, you know, he's confirmed that it was it was deliberate. You know, the ambiguity of it was supposed to be that way. You know, he said, "I've been asked this question more times than I've ever been asked any other question about any other film I've made." What's funny to me is that people uh. really do expect me to answer it. Which, yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, stop asking him about that. Stop asking Tarantino what was in the briefcase. Like, there's just certain things where it's like they probably don't know. You know, they probably don't know the answer. It's probably like this and then it's like yeah. you know it you know he says it's the perfect way to end end the film in my in my opinion i i don't even have a have a problem with it because i think the whole point of the film especially with his wife was not knowing and also does it really matter if he gets to go back and see his kids you know all this sort of stuff right so i don't even have a problem with that that end and i think it, it it's purposefully a spinning top because after it cuts to black, does it fall over or does it keep going? You don't know sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I find it funny that people are so hung up on it because it's just like so intentionally done that way because it's kind of, it actually puts a bow on the end of the film without really, with, with it basically by doing the opposite, by leaving it open. Yeah, you know, and Nolan, you know, he says, I put that cut there at the end, imposing an ambiguity from the outside film that always felt like the right ending to me. It always felt like the appropriate kick to me. The real point of this scene, and it is what I tell people, is that Cobb isn't looking at the top. He's looking at his kids. He's left it behind. That's the emotional significance of the thing. Because, yeah, again, this is something that's so heavily tied to, to Mal. It's so t- heavily tied to her. And we just saw like, you know, because th- again, throughout the, the film, it's one of those things. Where it, it's one of the scenes where, you know, there, there's a train coming, you know, there's like the, the, the line of they quote, you know, we both know where we don't, whatever it is, you know, when he's letting go of her, it's, 
you know, he's like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I gotta let you go. This is what I have to do. And he's finally able to let her go. And yeah, again, even with the totem, that's sort of why he said that. Um, although Michael Caine, you know, friend of the show did say, if I'm there, it's real because I'm never in a dream. I'm the guy who invented the dream. So if you listen to Michael Caine, you know, it's, uh, it's, he, it's, it, it's real. But yeah, it's again to me. That's also one of the things that um, it's just it's not. It doesn't really matter, you know, because yeah, to, to to me, it's like all things considered, I'm happy with where I think the film leaves off. I'm happy, and really, that's art in a nutshell. You know, if you tell me that, uh, you know, this is the best movie in the world. You are right. If I tell you this is the most dog shit movie ever, I'm also right. And that's just the way art works. I will say the 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 one thing I do love that came out of this um was in the uh little the music video for Lil Wayne's six foot seven foot. Uh you know, they're parroting the scene where he where you know where the kick and he's being thrown into the tub, uh, as well as uh there's an episode of South Park uh where they parody this, they parody uh, Freddy Krueger, like, you know, they bring in the team and they're making fun of, uh, again, like the, the soundtrack to it. Cause it does have a really, you know, fun soundtrack, but there's like, you know, <laughs> like whenever anyone's explaining the dream, the dream sequence, they just go boom, 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 boom. Because the, the score is very catchy, you know, it, it's there oh, and yeah. stuff like that. But, um, yeah, you know, man, I mean, as we're just winding down here, like any sort of final thoughts on the movie, anything, you know, we, we forgot to mention, or you just wanted to, to sort of point out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've talked a, a lot. I think I've, I managed to, to get all my, my points in at some point, so I, I won't go on too long at the end here, but, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, I, I love this film just because, you know, it, it, it dives into an area that I don't think, you know, many films do touch on. I, you know, there, there have been some other kind of like, dream state movies i think one called like waking life which she had like robert downey jr and it was all like but it was all like animated it was kind of like they drew over they, they filmed the whole movie but then they drew over the the frames and stuff to give it this sort of like strange reality and all this sort of stuff they're quite old you know sort of early 2000s um and uh but this one i think did a really good job of kind of being like a a a, a real film that plays with the idea of of dreams and you know at the end of the day like for me uh what attracts me to any film is always going to be the story um so you can have the best actors the best visual effects or whatever but if you don't have like uh, a good story, you know, then then I'm I'm kind of tapped out. And don't get me wrong, there are other people, you know, if you go and see a Transformers film, you're not you're not going for the story, you know, you know what you're getting, sort of thing. And people are happy with that and that's that's totally fine. Um so with this, yeah, I, I just really appreciated um you know kind of going into this area. I'm not uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan. Not every film, I think we weren't big fans of Interstellar, to be honest. It was, really? it was a little bit. No, yeah, I, I, you know, I haven't even rewatched it since I've, I, I went and saw it in film. I've literally, you, you, I got an Interstellar. Te- I've got, you know, stay in Morse code on me. That's how much I love that film. 
maybe I should go back and and watch it. I think I went in with just the highest of all high expectations because obviously the the the, the sequence went um, the sequence went Dark Knight, which I thought was incredible. Um, then Inception came out after Dark Knight, right? And then it was is that how it went? It went Dark Knight, Inception, then the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Dark Knight Dark Knight Rises is twenty twelve. This is yeah, so yeah, and then um, there might have been something else after that, but of course, Interstellar then came afterwards. Wasn't a huge fan of Dark Knight Rises, but I kind of felt that that was because of the because it was following the Batman stuff. It wasn't really a Christopher Nolan thing, so I was like, okay, Interstellar is the first one since, and my expectations were quite high, and I, I think it was sort of like, eh. But anyway, I probably should go back and and rewatch it. But I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that you know. I I'm not like a a Christopher Nolan fanboy, but I do really appreciate his attention to detail on the story. And even if it's a puzzle film, you know, he really wants to 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 make that always the main focus uh, of his films. And and everything else after that is a bonus, and it's a huge bonus because he's an incredible director, great actors, great visual effects. Um, so, you know, big thumbs up for me on this film. I've seen some people say that, like, this is as confusing as Tenet, um, which to those I say, no, like, I feel th- I feel I feel more rewarded at the end of watching this movie than I do Tenet, because even, you know, having seen Tenet, I think twice now, I'm still just like, so you're walking backwards and you know it's it's still just one of those and yeah because like i you know like you said i i am a fan of of nolan like i wasn't the biggest fan of like dunkirk you know um and you know i got tenet i still don't really know what it was that i saw i know that it was you know it looked very nice and there was a lot of great actors in it and it you know sounded great looked great um john david washington was great but it's just it's one of those but um yeah, definitely. You know, this uh, this won't be the last time we sit down. I might, you know, I the next one might be a little bit shorter. I don't, I don't know if uh, we'll both talk about our existential crises in the next one. Probably <laughs> will though, because again, that is, you know, that is one of the things that I love is getting real on these things with with people, especially again with someone that I, I genuinely do call a friend, and that you know we both have these these sort of similar experiences that we can bond over. Because again. I, 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 I'm not going to lie when I was just like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll do this one. And then I was just like, fuck, I got to rewatch this. You know, I got to rewatch this movie where I'm essentially, you Mm. know, having lived through, you know, very Mm. similar things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, several months ago, I'm not sure we could have sat down and, and talked about this, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I'm very happy on a personal level that I, that I can talk about this. And again, and in, and part of that is, you know this uh you know the this this sweet little kiwi boy from you know the internet <laughs> that i met through uh oh, i thought you were talking about taika waititi again all right yeah. oh yeah taika waititi i met him yeah through <laughs> you know the internet you know he put out movies that helped me get through it all. and of course you you know yourself too reached out uh but more mostly taika waititi you know <laughs> but i think the the important thing is to to remember, like it's kind of the reason that I sort of thought, hmm, maybe this is a good idea for you and I to talk about it is because I am a little bit older than you and there are parallels between your summer and kind of what I went through and this movie sort of ties it together. And, and 
you know, I, I said it at the start, like you, the one thing that you can't really say to somebody going through that is like, oh, it'll be okay and oh, time heals everything or I've been there and all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, it, it is kind of cool for me to talk about it as something that was tremendously difficult in my life. But now here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm happier than ever. It's not a thing anymore and, and it, it is something that is unfortunate, but everyone goes has to go through it. They just they have to go through it. It builds you as a person. It, it gives you those experiences. And at the end of the day, as long as you just get yourself through it, whether it's day by day, week by week, month by month, you know, you'll come out better off in the end. And and I sort of wanted to 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 talk about this because I, I kind of feel like, you know, I'm good. Like I'm I, you know, this not even a thing now. And I and I watched the film and it really wasn't even you know, you know, I watched the film this week and it wasn't even a big deal to me anymore um, sort of thing. So, um, you know, I'm glad to see that that you're okay. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, obviously worried about you, but, you know, I wanted to just let you know that it's all good. Like, I mean, it, you know, you've got people you can talk to, you can talk to, we can, we can do this anytime, shorter, longer, not recording, recording, video, whatever you want. Uh, I'm always around. Um, you know how to hit me up. You've got my email address now. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, just uh, it was. It's been great. I, I, I really have always wanted to have a sit down chat with you as well. And, and there's always been things that you've done that have inspired me in, in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's you know uh, Straight Edge or the podcast, or even just being a real level, level-headed guy. So I uh, always look up to you, Scrum. And, um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show. Dickie, you are going to make me cry. Yeah, no, definitely, again, this is, you know, this is, this is a first time, again, I think opposite we've sat, you know, uh, across from one-on-one mm-hmm. -on -one at least, because I know we've been in some of those up-next games um, together sure. and stuff like that. But, yeah, definitely won't be the last as, I mean, even then, you you know, you, you mentioned, like, the prestige and, oh, man, do I just gush about where I'm like, do you guys want to see Batman fight Wolverine for several years? You know, I'm like, you got, I'm like, and there's, and because of, because of that movie, magic is sort of ruined for me when we were, and I, pro I promise we'll wrap it up guys. But when we were in Vegas, uh, we, uh, this last summer, uh, again, it was one of those things where I was like, not in the best of moods, but I was like, I'm going to put on a brave face. So for everyone. And it's like, we're all going to go see Bill Burr. And I'm like, you know what? At least we'll go see Bill Burr, and it's like, show got canceled. We have to go watch um, Mind Freak. What's his name? The, uh, the oh, Chris, Chris Angel. Chris Angel instead. And I remember I'm like, I like oh and I, boy. And, and I remember like Brody King texting me like, "How's Bill Burr?" And I'm like, "Oh, dude, we had to come see Mind Freak." And he's just like, "I would, I would have gone home." And I'm like, "Maybe it'll yeah. be okay." But because the whole time I'm looking for the prestige and I can see the prestige on top of I can see the yeah. wires and trap doors and everything, I'm just ah. like, this is terrible. And everyone is like, this is, this is great, greatest thing. Did you see? And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, no, like, could from we're sitting close enough, you can also see the trap door. Like, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not just being a dick about it. But, uh, Diggy, if people want to hear more from you, uh, you know, they want to follow you and stuff like that, where can they go? Look at the, you know at the moment I'm not really plugging much or, or doing that. I'm trying to figure out what my 2023 is going to kind of look like apart from being a new dad at some point. Um, 
So you can just, I guess I'm on Twitter, mainly the main thing, at Dickie Bird Media. Um, who knows, by the time the show comes out, there might be something in the works. So uh, feel free to follow me there. I, I promise I'll keep my uh, my tweets to uh, 140 characters or less as opposed to the show that's uh, been a lot longer than that. Apologies. No, it, it's great. And listen, you know, just throwing it out there, Scrump is a unisex name, you know, in case you and Mrs. Dickie are, are wondering, you know, like, Ah, uh, you know what, what? What will we name this child of ours? You know, Scrump is a unisex name. Yeah, we've had Brandon vetoed last night, so that's that's off the table, unfortunately. Um, so we're sticking with Dominic right now. I don't know if uh, no one, no one's, no one's been a prick called Dominic, so I think that might be it. <laughs> All right, Dickie, it was fun having you on here. And again, yeah, definitely going to have you back on, you know, sometime soon, hopefully. But uh, for Scrump's family video this week, you guys, I've been Scrump. I have been Dickie Bird. And uh, there's a train coming, and we both know where it's going. And I realize now I forgot how the rest of that line goes. But uh, if you would have, if you, <laughs> you should have just gone with uh, dream, dream a little bigger, darling. Yeah, you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>